Hey everyone, welcome to the I Made A Thing podcast. Just want to give you a heads up that Rachel and I do get a little bit excited sometimes, so there might be some naughty words in this episode. So if you've got little ones in the car or, I don't know, maybe your ears have this weird tendency of like bleeding when swear words come out, maybe turn it down. I don't know. I think I probably would have just packed up and brought a tropical island by then. I don't know why I'd still be selling a course for, for 150 bucks. They sucked in a productive way. So I still learnt things from the situation and it was still valuable. But if it had just sucked in a sucky way and I wasn't getting any value, then again, I would have ended those relationships and I wouldn't have bothered turning up and putting in the work. Welcome to the I Made A Thing podcast with Rachel and Sophia. We're all about helping biz owners who don't believe in cheat sheets. And today we are talking about experts. So who is an expert? How do you even start by choosing an expert? How do you avoid wasting your time, money and energy on the wrong expert? Rach, this is a bit of a contentious issue for us both. I think we're going to have a lot of fun with this topic today. Hells yes. Oh, I love talking about this uh, topic. So to kick us off, Sophia, as always, with your amazing definitions, can you give us not the Wikipedia, but, you know, like the Oxford Dictionary uh, definition of what an ex- what is an expert. <laughs> Thank you, Rachel. I sure can. Thanks to my handy friend, the internet search <laughs> function. <laughs> the Googles. <laughs> the Googles. <laughs> yeah, look, it's pretty much what you'd expect. It's a person who's very knowledgeable about or skillful in a particular area, having or involved in a great deal of knowledge or skill in a particular area. So, I think we can all imagine what an expert might mean to us. They might have some fancy uh, qualifications on the wall, probably like when you've been to the doctor, you've seen like, oh, wow, look at all their qualifications on the wall. Um, But this definition is really talking about being skillful or knowledgeable in a particular area. It's not actually making reference to qualifications, which is interesting. Yeah, I actually found that really interesting when you read that out to me when we're doing prep for this because I was like, oh, you know, it's not really putting any guidelines around that uh, that idea of knowledge and skill set i mean can you literally roll out of university and say you're a social media expert can you i don't know finish your you know doctor's degree and say yep i'm now officially an expert i think a lot of us would say that those types of qualifications do make us an expert but now obviously on the interwebs and online businesses there are a lot of people who are are experts I would say they are and who call themselves experts but they don't have any official qualifications like university degrees courses etc in the thing that they're saying they're that they have expertise in so I think that's really interesting and I know we've all heard the 10,000 hours you know you need 10,000 hours and then you're good to go you can call yourself an expert in that area what do you think so far is that good enough It's an interesting one, isn't it? So 10,000 hours, maybe like 10 years approximately to be an expert in something. I found a pretty cool article that I will link to in the show notes for everyone to check out. But it made a really interesting point around the fact that you need to be deliberate in the way that you're actually developing that skill or using that time to become an expert at something. So it's all very well to say you've done 10,000 hours at something. um, But you could have been, as this article uses the example of, driving your car for 10,000 hours, does that mean that you're going to be a Formula One driver at the end of that? Hell no. Uh, It probably just means that you've been driving for 10,000 hours. (laughs) 
So thinking about uh, perhaps how you can make your time to develop yourself as an expert more deliberate. And I think, Rach, we're going to do a separate podcast about positioning yourself as an expert in a particular area. Uh, So we won't go into that too much now. But Rach, I would love you to have a chat to us about some of your experiences with actually choosing an expert and how it's easy to get trapped in that worthy slash comparison trap and and how you've dealt with that yourself from some of uh, your time in business. Yeah, well, I mean, this is something that I talk about a lot and I've been doing some market research recently, as I always bang on about that you should do in your business because I'm kind of um, judging up what I do. And something that I found really interesting when I recently sent out a marketing survey and I said, you know, do you want to be seen as an expert? Do you find other people, you know, how do you find other experts, et cetera? And a word that kept on coming up a lot was this idea of worthiness. So a lot of people even though they probably are an expert by our definitions and, you know, and society's definitions, they just said that they weren't because they weren't worthy enough. So they'll look to others and go, oh, well, they've done X, Y, and Z. You know, maybe they have a thousand more Insta followers. They've done some more workshops. You know, maybe they did a coaching course online and therefore that they were more qualified um, than they were. So then they said, oh, I'm not worthy. I can't show up. I, you know, can't do this thing. And I found that really, really sad. One, because unfortunately, this is all, you know, this is kind of what all women were telling me in, in some way or another. And then secondly, what does that mean for choosing experts amongst our peers and our community when we're all sitting there going, I'm not good enough. And then the person who really, again, should be showing up, maybe doing the work um, that really is an expert is telling themselves that too. And if we're all going around telling ourselves, each other and ourselves, we're not good enough, we're not experts no wonder in some ways we're struggling to get ahead in business as women, which I know we've kind of touched on a bit before, Sophia, because we're not putting ourselves out there. We're not showing up. And if we can't see what makes us worthy, how are we going to then choose an expert for ourselves, like a coach or, you know, an accountant or something? How are we going to do that? I don't know. Yeah, that, uh, that just resonates with me so much. I mean, I'm very lucky that I actually did your instant clarity. Um, I think it was, I did your instant clarity. I, I think that's the right one I did. Yeah. Uh, which really helped me. Yeah. <laughs> Greedy. <laughs> uh, which really helped me to, and this is in like, it's a coincidental plug for Rachel, but Uh, I just want to touch on it because it really helped me find clarity in what areas I was an expert in and the areas that I could offer value. What I'm continuously, uh, unfortunately, still struggling with is my sales skill set. So again, uh, if I was to go and choose an expert, uh, I would be focusing on someone that has expertise specifically in that area. So if you're looking in the coaching mentoring space, you know, there's, there's lots of different types of business coaches and they're going to have different qualifications and different specializations. It doesn't mean that they're not a great business coach, uh, but they might not be right for you at your particular time in business. So around identifying what you actually need can be really tricky too. And thinking about, okay, like what Rach touched on, you know, what's my learning style, but then also what do I actually need? So Rach, I'd love you given that you obviously have a package pretty much all about getting clarity and figuring out where you're at in business. Can you um, touch on maybe a, a practical way that someone could figure out um, what they actually need help with at this point in time in their business? Yeah, well, I think that's a really, it's a really good point. And sometimes it can, it 
can be hard. Like I said, when you're like, oh, I'm not worthy. I can't do this thing. Well, then trying to find an expert, like I said, how do you judge someone else? But how do you know the areas that you are like kicking ass and ones where, you know, areas you need to kind of improve on. So what I always do and say is you need to, I suppose, take a step back and start off with learning styles. Like you said, Sophia, like how do you learn and how do you interact with others, you know, teachers, etc. You can think back to like university. Obviously, I'm a teacher and my learning style and teaching style might not work for some people. So I'm quite open and honest and I'm known for giving a kick up the bum, but then also being, um, you know, like celebrating alongside the people that I work with. And I'm exactly the same with my students. So I think figuring out, you know, do you want someone who supports you and is a really kind of caring nurturing role do you want someone who gives it to you straight because there are a lot of coaches um accountants etc i mean my accountant is like blunt as is just like yeah nah rach you can't put that through the business that pretty hat you brought doesn't work uh as a business expense I'm like what why um yeah like you know gives it to me straight they don't they don't pussyfoot around for lack of a better term so i think you need to figure out who you know, kind of resonates with you. What do you need? And sometimes you have to be really honest and say, well, I've always worked with or appreciated people who are really supportive and caring, but right now I need actually someone to give me a kick up the bum, to push me over the edge because I'm not going to jump otherwise. Um, So I can't have someone who's just like, yeah, don't worry. Like, it's okay. You'll get there. I need someone to say like, go for it. Yeah. They're not going to just keep you in your little safe cocoon. They're actually going to push you to to do better in your business and make that impact that you planned originally to make, I'm guessing. Yeah. And I mean, I've worked with business coaches and then I, you know, it was doing a lot of stuff around mindset and identity and expertise. And I did, I'm like I said, quite blunt and stuff, but I needed actually someone to be caring, supportive and considerate and to hold a space for me where I could, um, I suppose, relax and take mistakes and stuff and not feel judged um, and that I had to show up and do things. And then, you know, other coaches where they've pushed me. So I guess, you know, learning styles, thinking about processes, values of your teachers, your coaches, your accountants, your designers, that kind of thing. Like a lot of the work that we do with each other is um, collaboration. So how you want to collaborate. Because I know we've talked a lot about this, Sophie. You can't just hire someone, like I said, a designer and go, I want a new website. Here you go. Off you go. That like the designer web developer is going to come back and say, well, what do you want? Can you fill out these forms? And if you're like, well, hell no, like I paid you to do this thing, go do it. You're not going to get the results um, you want either. So actually having to show up has been something that I think a lot of my clients have realized as well. Like they have to do a lot of internal work and then they have to show up even when they've hired an expert. And again, they find that quite hard because they have to be vulnerable with their expert as well as then doing the, the work that they have to do. Yeah, it takes a lot of time and effort before you even hire someone. And we talked about this off air and I did get a little bit fired up. So I'm going to try not to get quite so fired up. (laughs) But if you don't put in... If you don't put in the basic effort to recognize what it is you actually need help with, then you're not going to hire the right person. So part of your responsibility of being in business is doing that basic research. So 
Uh, the classic example we often hear is accountant versus bookkeeper. So if you're not sure whether you need an accountant or a bookkeeper, I commonly see people try and hire an accountant for very basic bookkeeping requirements. So if you go and try and hire an accountant, they're either going to tell you to go away and find a bookkeeper, so you've just wasted time, or are they going to massively overcharge you? And I'm talking thousands of dollars, people thousands whereas you probably could have hired a bookkeeper bookkeeper rates are like 35 40 45 50 an hour compared to an accountant you're looking at hundred you know multiple hundreds per hour uh, and to be perfectly frank an accountant is not a bookkeeper so it's a completely different skill set again so they might not actually give you as good a result as you would have got with a bookkeeper so that's just one example of where not doing some basic research about what you need could cost you thousands of dollars uh, and so the same applies in the coaching coaching space as well, uh, like we touched on before. So you might have a coach who's specialised in marketing. You might have a coach who's more specialised in uh, business growth strategies. So, you know, they're completely different people and they might have the very best intentions to help you with marketing if they're a growth strategist, but actually they might not be the best person to help you at that point in time. So how do you actually figure out who you need though? And that's the hard, that's the hard part. Um, Rach, how have you practically gone about figuring out who you needed when you had a tough business problem? You knew, you knew that you needed expert help, but you maybe weren't sure who. Yeah, well, I guess it comes back to research, like you said, and really thinking the outcomes I wanted. So I have hired um, some amazing business coaches um, before. Shout out to Amy. I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, I wanted mindset. Like I was like, oh, my business doesn't feel like me. And there was a real disconnect between who I am and how I was showing up and the business I wanted to run. And Amy is amazing with like values and processes, et cetera. And I learned about her through another program that I was doing. But a lot of my community had worked with her before as well. So I actually went out, um, you know, did the good old Google search, which is so broad. So you know, thinking about like coaches, Melbourne, like face-to-face -face coaching, Melbourne, one-on-one uh, -on -one coaching, Melbourne, um, female business coaches, Melbourne, a lot, there's such better search terms than like coaches. Um, the internet will just bring you whoever's got great uh, SEO. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean they're the right coach for you. So I did stuff like that and then um, talked to a lot of my community, but also like I worked with Amy and other sort of experts. And I've said, this is what I think I need. This is what I think I want to achieve. This is how I think I want to do it and how I can show up all the processes I like. Is this what you do? Like I actually put it on them. Like this, is this what you do? Um, and this is what people do with me as well. Like I need help with my ideal client. I'm too afraid to get on sales calls and I don't know what I'm an expert at. Um, as you would know, Sophia, like Rachel, can you help? And I'll say, yes, yes, yes. And sometimes people come to me and say things like, can you help build my website? And I'm like, no, I can help wireframes. I can put you in touch with designers, but that is not my area of expertise. I don't do that, but I can help you. And so good experts will say where they can and can't help. So I think you need to, yeah, search, ask the hard questions. And for me, I recently was trying to, you know, like I said, juice up my business. And I was like, oh, maybe it's a mindset thing. Like, why am I not doing X, Y, and Z? And I thought about doing more business coaching. And then I realized that I was actually more, less me focused and more outcomes focused. I needed people who were very similar to me to make sure that I was doing my processes right. Because when you're in the thick of it, like, you know, I can't figure out if my branding's on, on point. 
I was struggling to know if my copy was really, really good, if it was resonating or if it was just me like, you know, blowing my own trumpet. Like I had no idea. So I found people exactly the same as me and then I hired them. So I think that's a good point to make too, where I've hired people who have experience, knowledge, skill sets in areas I don't and people who have exactly the same as me, you know, slightly different, obviously, and maybe slightly ahead um, to actually help me work on my own because I can't do it myself. And often we don't talk about that, I think, enough for how accountants hire accountants, et cetera. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I have been guilty of hiring someone I thought was fantastic, but they didn't have uh, experience in exactly what I needed them to have experience in. I had hoped that their skills would be transferable enough and I knew I was taking a bit of a risk and they were cheap. So I gave it a go. Unfortunately, it didn't work out and it was a waste of money. But again, it's on a risk basis. So, you know, if you're dropping a couple of hundred dollars compared to dropping multiple thousands of dollars and you've got the cash flow to support it either way, you're going to need to assess on a risk basis to how much research you then put into hiring that person. It's just like if you were to hire someone for a, as an employee, you're going to do some research. You're going to do your due, due diligence. The other argument is that you should always be fairly cautious. If you're giving them access to like delicate information about your business. So what I mean by that is you might not be paying them a lot of money but they're going to have access to potentially confidential information about your business or working style or process, whatever it might be. Uh, and so I, this has just sprung to mind, Rachel, but I'm thinking like virtual assistants, um, whether they be overseas, local, you know, they're potentially getting access. I'm thinking with a small business owner, there isn't going to be much, um, there isn't going to be barriers between different parts of the business. They're going to be able to look at everything. So you want, you want to really make sure that, uh, there's some safeguards in place there and that they have experience working with your type of business before you just give them access to everything. I know some virtual assistants will have access, you know, right across, they're going to have access to your bank account details even. So you do need to, you do need to have some, um, yeah, safeguards in place, use some caution there, but that's a little bit, that's a little bit um, outside of what we're going to be talking about so much. Rach, I want to ask you, you've obviously had a little bit more time in this space. When you see a scam, how do you know it's a scam? How are you picking these scans up? And uh, I know you're pretty passionate about this one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I like ranting on the Insta feed about uh, a lot of what I'm seeing is marketing scams, for lack of a better term at the moment, where a lot of coaches saying like, I can get you 15, 20K months in your first year of business. I'm like, damn, like what have I been doing wrong for the last eight years? Like I want to be rolling in that much dough. Um, not quite sure how they're managing to do that considering they've in the first year of their business to a lot of them or first couple of years. So and weird, hey? I know. I know. I mean, I wish, and some of them even say 50K months and I was like, oh, wow. If I made like 50K a month, I would, I just, I think I'd buy a jet probably by the six months. How much yeah, is Would you be running a uh, legitimate coaching course if you're making that kind of money, Rich? I don't know. I think I probably would have just packed up and brought a tropical island by then. I don't know why I'd still be selling a course for, for 150 bucks. I don't know. And so I guess for me, I just sort of figure if I, you know, was that good, I wouldn't even bother. Like I would just wouldn't even bother running a business. I'm sure I would have invested my money. I could have sit on a tropical island. Obviously I'm being super sarcastic here because logically speaking, the majority of the business owners I know, myself included, 
have really fabulous months, some months, you know, we make a, a lot of money. It's fantastic, but there's a lot of work behind that. And most business owners I know in the first couple of years of business do not regularly make 50 K months. And there's a lot of work behind that, why they might make those months. And most of them, good business owners, coaches, even designers, you know, you don't see designers going out saying they're going to a new website will get, get your 50 K month. Like, these kind of metrics that we love hearing about. I mean, we all want financial freedom and stability. Um, I think you need to be logical and think, well, if, yeah, if they're making that much money, why is their program only $150? And why, you know, is it an online course? And why is it download all my templates and you'll get rich too? Like we don't know any business owner who's doing that. If you think about any other kind of industry, accountants aren't doing it. Um, You know, I don't know you know, banks, um, airlines, they aren't just selling their exact template for 150 bucks on the internet. So that's one way to pick up a scam and realize it's a marketing, um, marketing fad. Another one is like I said, clearly I know that they're ending the first year or two of business because I've stalked them on the internet. So I go check out their credentials. If they say they've run three businesses before, I type their name into Google and I want to know where those businesses are and what they really are. And a lot of them, you can't find them. You can't find any of their um, other business names. And that's not saying that they didn't have them. It's not legit. But I'm thinking if they're really good, you'd still have them floating around or, you know, a landing page for a lot of these really successful businesses. They don't have them. I mean, you type in my name. I'm lucky because I have a weird last name. You can find articles that I've written eight years ago that will make you laugh and make me want to cry into my cereal in the morning because they're written so badly. But uh, that's where, you know, I started and you can literally find all of those. They're not hidden away. So I think a lot of the time it's hiding facts and figures and presenting certain ideals or processes that probably aren't legit. Yeah, it's the old saying, isn't it? If it's too good to be true, it probably is. But hey, we all get caught up in that comparison trap and in the sparkle too and wanting to work with the cool kids on the block. And look, that can be a marketing strategy in itself. We, um, we'll probably talk another time about collaborations and how working with peers can be uh, really helpful. But don't go wasting your money on someone just because they seem great and you think they're going to help you make loads of money in the first month. Because chances are, well, actually, I'm, I'm happy to put it out there. They can't do that for you. Yeah, they and can't. They can't. And it's just going to be in ultimately probably more damaging to your business than good. It's going to be a distraction. You're going to download these templates or, you know, sign up to their online course. And this is, we're not saying all templates and online courses are bad, by the way. But as an example, you're going to sign up to their online course. You're going to download their templates. They're going to collect dust, guys. You're not going to do anything with them. As soon as you realize it's just generic shit that doesn't apply to you in your circumstances, there's been no effort to get to know you or understand you or any due diligence done. Yeah, it's just a waste. It's just a waste of money. Don't get caught up in that sparkle. You don't. You don't need that. There are better resources out there for free that can help you. Yeah, and another one at the moment. Again, no mentoring programs um, are fabulous, and I'm doing one now. But a lot of these mentoring programs, you sign up via you know one particular expert. So say it's the designer, and then they bring on a whole bunch of other people throughout. You know, the twelve week program. Like say me as a copywriter. Sophia is like a business strategist, et cetera, et cetera. And I mean, you know, each of those people sound legit, but if you want to sign up to a mentoring program, actually Google each one of the mentors and making sure that each one of the mentors is who they say they are, can actually deliver what they say they're going to. You know, if they're a copywriter who's a sales page expert, make sure that they do have sales page expertise, examples, et cetera. Because I'm finding a lot of my clients and when I've done my market research recently, 
that women are signing up to these programs because they're more affordable. Let's be honest here. One-on-one services are more costly and we can't always afford them. And it can be nice to work with other people and get access to experts that we wouldn't normally do. But you need to be careful of these because they're signing up to these programs, like Sophia said, really generic advice. Then these experts are coming on, you know, experts and in quotation marks that again have just started their business too. And so it's not like they're sending or selling bad information, but again, it's really generic um, it's not targeted or specific. So people were spending, you know, $2,000 on a program for 12 weeks coming out and they've got a whole bunch of stuff, but no one's there to help them implement it. No one's there to help them answer questions or clarify anything. And so you're back to square one where you've got all this stuff, all this info and no one to help you implement it. Um, and I think a lot of um, people who are running online businesses are starting to realize that they need accountability. They need to be able to ask questions, et cetera. And some programs allow this, um, you know, as an example, this is something I'm focusing on my own program, not to sell my program, but because I know that's what I need. And I'm trying to figure out a way that I can implement that into my new programs. So yeah, I don't need, I don't need another template. I don't need another cheat sheet. I don't need another video that tells me I got this. I, I need like help. I need their brain. Basically. I need their brain, not just fancy bits of Canva. Um, images basically but I quite like Canva and if you want to sponsor us call me so what we're trying to say here I'm clearly a bit happy and sarcastic today guys um is that there's nothing wrong with these programs I think wrong experts nothing wrong with templates and cheat sheets even if they're done outside of canva um but you need to actually make sure they're going to be useful to you and that's a part of the research that's a part of choosing your expert it's not just the person seeing them on insta loving their dog loving their lifestyle seeing them making 10k going i want that too because that's how we buy things we buy it through emotion not necessarily logic and i want you to focus on your logic brain and step out all of the things you need to do qualifications portfolio what have they been doing over time? Are they actually showing up every day? Can you Google search them? Do other people recommend them? You know, people of their peers and your peers do all of this. And then if your gut feels, your heart's still like, yes, they're for me, then go for it. I mean, you're always going to take a risk, but do the logical process-driven research first. Yeah. And I mean, that can be, that can be slightly different for everyone because we have different business values and different approaches. Uh, so that's fine. But the other thing that is really good to take advantage of if they offer it is the free chat. So if they have like a free 15 minute one-on-one chat where you can ask them a few questions after you've done your research about them, take advantage of that, use it. Most people will offer it even if they don't have it you know, openly advertised. If they know that you're legitimately keen, they're going to be happy to have a quick chat with you to answer your questions. I think that's a responsible thing as a service provider to do anyway because you want to make sure that they're the right client for you too. So yeah, take advantage of that. And what about mentors? Because we're talking about experts here and I guess we've touched on you know, all the people that we've used to help us with our services because obviously we're service-based businesses. So accountants, designers, coaches, et cetera. But what about mentors? I know you've had some in the past, Sophia, and so have I. Like, how did you go about choosing a mentor? Because that's slightly different, I think. Yeah, and it can be ridiculously hard actually to find a good mentor, particularly if you're in a slightly more niche area it can be really challenging to find someone you feel has the skills and experience to help you move forward. You know, if you're in a niche industry, 
you might even be in an industry that that person doesn't exist because you've just come up with something completely new. So it's going to be, it's going to be challenging. Again, you need to have, it's that value piece. So sitting down before you actually start approaching anyone and thinking about, okay, where am I at right now? What are my values? How do I, how do I work? And what do I want to achieve? So what do I need to push me forward? So a good example might be I want to work on my public speaking skills because I want to get into maybe course creation, speaking events, workshops. So I'm going to try and find a mentor that has experience in at least one of those areas and is a recognized expert either previously or um, is currently in that space that I can hopefully work with. Depending on how amazing they are and your relationship with them, you're probably going to have to pay for that relationship. And I think that's that's fair enough. Uh, you can get obviously informal mentoring relationships, which I think are really valuable too. So I always try and have both. I try and have you know, at least a couple of more informal mentoring relationships on the go um, that might just be catching up with someone for a chat for a coffee. But that's going to be very different to my formal mentoring relationship where I'll, you know, I've done all that research and I'm paying for it and I'm putting in like quite a lot of effort, you know, like I'm prepping for the meetings and, you know, I've got questions written down. Um, I would have researched them and their background um, and I'll be challenging them to challenge me. So if, I get into that relationship and it's not then ticking those boxes, then that gives me the scope to, to change because there's nothing worse than being stuck in a paid mentoring relationship that isn't working out for you. So make sure that there is uh, the possibility to like cease payments, for example, and change if you need to, because uh, it can get really expensive if you get stuck in a mentoring relationship that's yeah not delivering what you need it to deliver. Um, Again, though, it's not about like loving that person. It's not a friendship. It's a mentoring relationship. So you want to be challenged. You even want to be maybe a bit pissed off by them. Uh, but you don't want to be like obviously uh, feel offended or, um, you know, there shouldn't be anything dodgy going on. You shouldn't feel like, um, you know, you shouldn't feel lesser. You, should, you shouldn't feel like a lesser person from working with them is what I'm getting at. Yeah. <laughs> which can totally, which can... Totally happen because I know lots of women who have worked with male mentors and obviously not all men, um, but male mentors who have made females feel particularly uncomfortable for multiple reasons. They've, I suppose maybe they're, I have to admit they're old, the stories I've been told um, are older men, like late fifties, et cetera. So they have a different approach and values and working style and a lot of the younger women who I've spoken to said you know they've made sexist comments they've talked more about the way that they should look as opposed to the way that they should uh, turn up as an expert themselves Um, they've suggested different sales tactics or marketing tactics um, that the person didn't feel comfortable with and just felt really not like a seen and heard in the experience and yeah sort of came out of it not in a better place, spent a lot of money. And I think that comes back to the worthy comparison trap that I said have then felt really not good about themselves and have thought that they had done perhaps something wrong and that's why they were still stuck in their business. And, you know, any good mentor or coach will say you need to show up and do the work. So you can't just sit there, like we've said, and be like, do, do, do with your checklist and go, oh, it's all their fault. But if someone is making you feel not yeah, like I said, not worthy, um, is making you feel uncomfortable, then they're probably not the right person for you. And they can be female coaches or female accountants or whatever as well, but it is something to be mindful of 
different values and working styles, perhaps between men and women. Yeah. And, it, and, and as I said, it might take a little while to actually uncover that. So again, it's really good to, you know, you might not have a, well, yeah, you probably should have a contract if it's a paid arrangement, but you want to have space for you to both say, okay, like maybe halfway through, this isn't working for either of us, or this isn't working for one of us. Let's end it here and, and move on and go our separate ways. Uh, or alternatively, uh, you know, if it's just a informal chat and you're, you know, maybe more friends than mentors, even uh, there's nothing wrong with saying, I really appreciated your help initially with my business, but um, can we just be friends and, and maybe not chat business if you're starting to feel a little bit uncomfortable talking about business? I think we've all been in that situation where uh, someone who's had a business before wants to tell us how to run, run our business and run the show and our values don't align and we're not actually even asking <laughs> necessarily for their help. And that can be a distraction and be more destructive than, than helpful to the success of our business. So feel free to exit out of those relationships too. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you've had way more mentor experience than I have. I've actually been a mentor for lots of people. Um, I haven't really worked with many mentors myself and the few that I have uh, really weren't that useful to me. So how did you choose the, like Sophia, between, hey, you're going to be my mentor versus I want an expert. Is it like an process or outcome based decision that you're making? Yeah. So I really see like a paid expert is really helping me implement rather than just uh, maybe advising or giving me ideas to bounce around. So there are, you can Google it. There's definitions around, you know, being a mentor or not. Uh, I see, yeah, but I see mentoring relationship more as like, um, giving me ideas maybe that I hadn't have thought of, giving me someone to bounce ideas off. They're going to share their experience with me, but most importantly, they're going to listen. So they very much, it's more of a listening thing generally than um, giving me lots of advice. And they're going to uh, question things too. So my last mentoring relationship I had was actually through the Chartered Accounting Program. And that was a paid, uh, paid mentorship. And that was great in that it was quite structured and that's how we both agreed we wanted it to be. It was over six months, so it was quite, quite long. And she, my mentor was amazing, but she was very honest with me too and said, look, I've never run a business. However, I have been, you know, high level in non-for-profits and that value of being in the in a particular not-for-profit space really aligned with what some of my success factors, which weren't focused around making really high-level profit or making really high-level revenue per month, but instead around making positive impact. So she was amazing to work in from that perspective. And also she was highly organized. So she was really good at keeping me accountable and making notes and following up on everything we talked about. She was just so thorough and would always ask hard questions of me um, she did a lot of research too on being in small business. So in some ways, although she'd never been a business owner, she was almost better because she was so like keen to learn and ask me the hard questions. So that relationship worked out really well. Shout out to Jody if she's <laughs> listening. I won't give away her details, but uh, she knows who she is if she's listening. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, so that's kind of how that mentor relationship ran for me. But then I've had other mentor relationships through like employers that have helped me with like career development, which is obviously very different again. Yeah, that's a really good overview because I mean, I was like, oh yeah, I do that stuff. Maybe, maybe I'm not such a bad mentor after all because I was like, oh crap, am I, am I doing the mentor um, things? But that's good because I, yeah, I've had it tried a few times to have paid mentors and um, yeah, through different programs, which I won't, I won't mention names. And 
the men, my mentors were lovely people and definitely established um, business owners, um, all female, but unfortunately they just didn't actually have time to mentor. So they, unlike Jody, were rushed, disorganized, didn't prepare anything, didn't show up on time, um, would then come and be like, so Rach, like what, what's up? And I would ask a few questions and they, again, like with the experts would just flick off some stuff. Oh, just read this book, just read this template, etc. And I was like, I can Google this shit. Like, why am I paying for, again, for your brain? Like, why am I paying for your brain and for your presence? Um, when I, like, you're not giving me you, like, I, I don't know if people would disagree with me here, but like they weren't, in my opinion, showing up. Like I wasn't getting anything of them. Um, yeah. Cause that's harder to other do. I mean, yeah. That's a whole nother yeah. conversation around delivering value. And I actually would love to do a podcast on that in terms of the content that you're actually putting out there. Uh, but yeah, it's really easy to just palm someone off to a book or a template, but to actually sit down and understand who they are and who they're and what their business is about and then make applicable suggestions. That takes a, that takes way more time and effort and risk too, because you could be wrong. Whereas I'm just yeah. saying, Hey, Rach, why don't you read, you know, Seth Godin's new book? I can't yeah, be wrong, can I? That's true. And I mean, that's something that I, I suppose if I would just quickly like talk about me as a mentor, like to some of the young business owners um, and students and stuff, I do freak out. Like I come prepared to these meetings. So it's like, if I'm going to tell people this advice or my thoughts or my feelings and then they action them and then it doesn't go so well, I'm going to feel like just so bad. And so I always, you know, premise stuff with like, in my experience, or this is the steps that I took to come to this decision based on what you've told me. If everything you've told me is true, then I would suggest this, but you have to decide to do it. It has to be a decision you do. You can't defer to me, which again takes us back to our point that you still have to do the work, whether you know, you're a mentee or hiring someone who's an expert, you have to do the work and you can't put it back onto another person to do all of the thinking for you even though in, in essence like I said you know you're kind of buying their brain um or whatever you still have to do your own thinking and yeah hearing you talk about good mentors maybe gives me a bit of faith that there are some out there I wouldn't mind a mentor anyone want to <laughs> mentor me there <laughs> otherwise I, I, yeah. yeah I think we should, totally and we should have mentors at all stages in our life and career and business it's just it re-energizes you too. Actually, I, I heard someone talking about this in the um, context of going to a conference, but I think it's so true with mentorship as well. It re-energizes you getting a coach or a mentor. It just makes you excited again to work on your business. So if you're not getting that feeling, that's another warning sign that maybe that person isn't right for you. Yeah, that's a really good point. Because I knew pretty, you know, I knew straight away that this mentorship probably wasn't going to work, but because I paid. I was like, oh, I'm going to try and get everything I can out of this. Um, yeah. Yeah. And like I said, I kind of got into a bit, I mean, I could have ended it, but I'd already paid anyway. So it's kind of this sort of weird situation where I was like, oh, I'll just plot along for a couple of weeks um, when maybe I should have ended it and not actually had such a sort of meh mentor experience. It might have maybe go out and look for another mentor. That was a few years ago and I haven't bothered looking for one um, since. Yeah. 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 And it can take a few mentors to get the right one. Like I had a few, like, this is more around, I guess, job stuff, but when I was, you know, just working and that was my priority was career progression. I did have a couple of mentors that sucked, but you know what? They sucked in a productive way. So I still learned 
things from the situation and it was still valuable. But if it had just sucked in a sucky way and I wasn't getting any value, then again, I would have ended those relationships and I wouldn't have bothered turning up and putting in the work. But like when I say it was a bit sucky, it was just our personalities didn't really click. But they were still teaching me really valuable stuff that I could implement to get where I wanted to be. So it was still a good mentor relationship. Rach, I would love to now, before we run out of time, talk a bit about the whole male-female thing in our business space and how that can impact particularly women choosing the right person to work with and how that's going to hopefully result in their business being successful. Yeah, well, like I mentioned before, you know, lots of women have worked with male coaches and you know, experts and haven't had the best relationship. And I think it's because traditionally we did see men as experts and we gravitated towards them. And obviously they are traditionally, again, in positions of leadership and, you know, um, an expert kind of role. So it would make sense if you wanted a business coach who'd been in business for 20 years. Well, most of them are probably going to be males. Um, maybe it would definitely be different in the next 20 years for, you know, our nieces and kids and stuff, if they're looking to get business um, help, it'd be other women. But I think you need to, I suppose, acknowledge how the system's changing and how it can be hard for us or we need to be sort of aware when we're thinking, like I said, around worthy in comparison, when we're thinking about ourselves as experts and choosing experts that we don't suppose you know do un- gender unbiased kind of things where we're like oh yeah and start looking for men because when I asked them well why did you work with the man oh well I wanted an expert a men are experts I'm like well why did you keep working with him when it was terrible and they're like oh well there wasn't anyone else and I assume because he was in a position of power that what he was saying was right and therefore I was wrong and to me that just screams out a whole bunch of gender-based issues you know women in the workplace um, women's confidence, worthiness, all of those kind of things. And it's obviously very complex and I'm not an expert in this area, although I do teach a lot about uh, leadership um, and having more women, people of colour, people with different backgrounds in leadership positions in a more traditional workspace. I talk about that quite a bit at university. But I, I don't know any answers. I guess I just wanted to bring that up because I think it's such an interesting topic and I think we need to talk about this more as women that we will gravitate towards men or I'm going to generalize here, female business owners who have more masculine qualities or act perhaps more masculine in their approach. They're more hard hitting, you know, straight up. Um, They talk about money. They wear suits, a bit more corporate edge. You know, they talk about having the fast cars um, going on, you know, like I said, helicopter rides, all that kind of stuff, which I personally see is like a very kind of, um, I don't know, just like assets and stats and it's facts. A, it's a different, yeah, it's a different way to do business. Yeah. yeah, and I think we traditionally look to that and go, oh, they must be the experts and perhaps ignore other women and men, I will add, that have different approach to business, different nurturing approach, uh, maybe a more community contribution, um, collaboration approach. And so I guess I wanted to, to bring it up to also hear your thoughts, Sophia. You know, am I crazy in thinking this and should we've been talking about this a little bit more. Oh, we should, we should definitely be talking about it more. And there's going to be different times when you're going to need different qualities and that's going to come from either men or women. But I guess what we're getting at here is traditionally speaking, as Rachel touched on, 
uh, men have been more commonly in our society in those positions of power. They've had the opportunities to run successful businesses more so than women have. And so therefore, if women want to get ahead, does that mean we need to work with men? Or do we need to carve a whole new path for ourselves? Oh, oh. <laughs> Tagline, tagline alert, alert. <laughs> um, yeah, carve, carve a different path in business that might be a little bit harder to figure out because we don't have as many role models or people that are on that same path, but it's certainly not impossible. It doesn't mean, though, of course, that we can't learn things from strong, savvy men in business. Of course we can, of course we want to, but I would love to see male business coaches or male leaders really making the effort to open their minds and listen to the way in which women or anyone who wants to do something slightly different in business and be open to their ideas and be supportive because I guarantee your expertise and skills can still help them. But I think we do need to change the way we do business for multiple reasons, but we need to give women an opportunity to create something different and do things differently than maybe, maybe their male counterparts. That, that's, my, that's my take on it at least. Yeah, definitely. And I, you know, I remember having a lot of male bosses and, you know, directors and stuff in the workplace um, and being a young female, which we've touched on in our ageism um, podcast. Yeah. Just treating me really different because of my age. And I would say a different thing and they would shut me down and listen to me. And it was very boys club. And it was very like, I'm an expert. Um, I'm in a position of power. So just do as you're told. And I think, again, that's changing in business overall where women and people in business and generally, I know my students even, are wanting to learn how to run a business. I'm wanting to learn how to do the things and not just be told and pay money and have it done for them or being told what to do. They want to understand so they can keep doing it for themselves so they can learn and grow as a business owner. So again, it comes back to values and learning styles, et cetera. But I think, yeah, we need to see a shift in the expert space. Um, you know, I'm sick of going to panel events and someone just talking at me. I'm sick of listening to podcasts and people just talking at me and not sharing any of their expertise, their, you know, their stories, their mistakes. I want people to share those experiences so I can um, learn and grow, not just be told that I should write this headline in my Facebook ad and I'll make a million dollars. Like that's not what I'm about. And I guess, yeah, it comes back to why I, we started this podcast, but in particular experts, like when can you call yourself an expert? Like when should you be calling yourself an expert? When should we be listening to experts versus our peers, which is such an interesting topic. I think when we start unpicking it. Uh, so for me, I think it can be really confusing and overwhelming to find an expert. So you want to just take that deep breath, write down, do some reflection about what your values are, who you actually need, do some research, spend some time Googling, asking your peers who you think you actually are after. So you're going to go into those conversations equipped with some questions and obviously have a budget too. We didn't really touch on that. We can probably talk about that in another episode around money. Yeah, but have a budget. Pod. Yeah. Uh, and then making the most of those free chats if they're available. And also being prepared to have a bit of an exit strategy, I think too is really important. So be aware of your contract terms and conditions with coaching or mentoring or any other sort of expert. Uh, if things do go wrong and it's not working out, you obviously need to have a way to exit that relationship or be prepared on a risk basis to bear that cost if it doesn't work out. 
What do you think are your key takeaways today, Rach? For me, it's definitely um, coming from a place of yourself, which I think I pretty much say every pod, where, you know, you are worthy and other people are worthy. And I think if you acknowledge that, then you can start from a place of, you know, what do you want to achieve? What is your learning styles? How do you want to work? What kind of relationship you want with the person? All of that will help um, direct this research that Sophia was um, mentioning. I think you should also, like I said, be careful of scams and marketing tactics. Um, if you're not sure, if you think someone might be using a marketing tactic, ask your peers or literally DM us and we're happy to jump on board, help you with the research, um, et cetera, and let you know if, you know if we feel like what they're saying is actually true or possible. Um, and then, you know, thinking about getting a mentor, like Sophia said, they can be great experiences, do all the same research you would with an expert. And finally, I just, yeah, start thinking about who you see as uh, an expert. And if you only see men as an expert and yourself is not worthy, maybe it's time to do some readings, look at sort of society as a whole. We can put some stuff in the show notes to help you start sort of unpicking why are we doing these, you know, unconscious biases towards different people in positions of power. I mean, I know when I say to my students, oh, you know, picture a you know a CEO they tell me like a 45 to 65 year old white man and this is students who are from different ethnic backgrounds different ages females they all still tell me that and that makes me so sad because I know that's what's tying into like I said our worthy comparison trap and seeing ourselves as experts which we're going to talk about another pod but I want you to start tackling it today yeah because if you want someone to help you carve this you know whole new unique path in business you want someone that's going to most closely align to your values and chances are it's not impossible but chances are if you're a woman in business wanting to do something different in that space you're going to need at least some other women involved there to help you on that journey I think men obviously still have a can play a huge benefit in that space but realistically speaking, you are probably going to want to work with some sort of female expert or mentor to help you along that path too. So don't don't rule out getting help from the girls. <laughs> yeah. Whoop whoop. Well, I think we're I think we're kind of done. Um, anything else you wanted to add, Rachel? We'll wrap up. Nah. Bye. Bye. <laughs>